With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Master Builders Victoria members get access to a wide range of expert advice and support services. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to the show. 2009 draft, pretty good one when you look through it. Dustin Martin, pick three. Ben Cunnington, pick five. Go down to pick 20. Nat Fife, Mitch Duncan, pick 28. Jack Gunston, 29. Luke Ball was drafted by Collingwood across from St Kilda, played in the flag straight away at pick 30. Max Gorn, 34. Three-time Rich- Richmond Premiership player David Asprey, at 35, Sam Reed from the Swans at 38. Ben Stratton down at 46. It was a big, big draft. Taylor Jure, Matt Suckling, 69 and 70 uh, in that draft. Premiership players for Hawthorne. And there was a promoted rookie at pick 86 by the name of Liam Picken. Had a pretty decent career. But big draft for the Demons. They had pick one and two. Their sixth pick in the draft that year, they selected Jack Fitzpatrick, who's been good enough to join us today. Uh, Jack, thanks for your time. Before we go back to 2009 and look through your footy journey, uh, what's keeping you busy these days? Uh, definitely keeping busy, mate. Uh, doing some footy coaching, I guess, if we're talking about the footy world. So um, I spent a couple of years coaching as an assistant at Werribee, so I was really fortunate enough to coach under John Lamont and then Choco Williams there before Choco went to the Ds and then had two years as an assistant at the Bulldogs women's side. Um, under Nathan Burke, which was fantastic as well. So now I'm out on my own, senior coach at Lake Wendery Footy Club in the Ballarat League. So had my first year as a senior coach just gone and looking forward to year number two. Um, I'm also an ambassador at Diabetes Victoria. Um, so I live with type one myself, had my 10 year anniversary earlier this year. So yeah, do a fair bit with Diabetes Victoria and in the real world, mate, I call it. Uh, got myself uh, a reasonably new job, actually. I've stepped into the recruitment world, so a corporate sellout, some would say. <laughs> and you dabbled in the media there for a little bit? Yeah, mate, I, I did, and I still do little bits and pieces here and there, I suppose. I mean, it was probably, you know, I did have a show on SEM called Off the Field, sort of as COVID sort of hit, and then, yeah, the last couple of years, things have slowed down a little bit. So um, I think you'll find, you know, recruitment, coaching, ambassador, media, you name it, um, anywhere where I can get the sound of my own voice, I'm more than happy to dabble in it. <laughs> hey, Dad, what was, so you mentioned now, you know, you spent some time coaching at Werribee and the Bulldogs AFLW, but I guess there's... There's nothing like taking charge of your own team, whatever level it's at. So how did you find that at Lake Windaree this year? Look, it, it was really good. It was the first time, I guess, I'd sort of been involved at, at local footy for a long period of time. I mean, you know, by the time you sort of stop playing junior footy and you start playing TAC Cup or, or the NAB League as it is now and, and Vic Metro and AIS and those kinds of things, um, you know, you're probably 15 really by the time, you know, you, you stop at local. And then I sort of stepped in straight to VFL and then AFLW. So, you know, they're, um, you know, obviously, you know, a, a 
by a standard in the local footy. So it was really good to be back at the local footy. It was the first time I've been involved. You know, we've got the netball club as well, and our netballs are really successful. So, you know, that's great. And you've got the functions and all these kinds of things. So, you know, the old beer after a game with the opposition, that's uh, something I was looking forward to and certainly have enjoyed as well. Magnificent. Uh, before we get stuck into 2009 and how your AFL journey began, you mentioned the diabetes there, and I guess... In AFL world these days, you know, we talk about Paddy McCartan and how he's had to manage that. You also managed some chronic fatigue uh, coming through the ranks as well. How much of a challenge was um, keeping on top of the diabetes during your career? The diabetes, I find myself really fortunate in a sense that I was in my third year of playing AFL footy at the time. And, I mean, you know, the best way to live with diabetes is you keep active, you have a good routine, you eat well, you're disciplined, and you keep fit and active, as I said. So that's exactly what you do as an AFL player. You know, you're eating well, you're keeping fit, you have a good routine, you're quite disciplined. So in some ways, um, I was fortunate that that was when it happened. I mean, you mentioned Paddy McCartan, and, um, you know, I feel... Uh, you know, he's had his, you know, he's got the diabetes, which I've obviously got. So I've always sort of followed his career closely and, and played on him in his early days when we were both playing in the VFL. Um, and then I obviously retired with concussion in 2017. So then I see what's going on with Paddy as well. So I feel really aligned with him and almost, you know, a, a, a sense of pride seeing him doing what he's doing because on top of sort of, you know, what, what I had to deal with when I was playing with both, you know, the concussion and the diabetes sort of at the end of my career, had you had to deal with the concussion on top of the whole, oh, he's the number one draft pick, is he a flop, is he going to come back, all that sort of stuff, which I was probably, you know, we'll get to 2009 in a minute, being a little bit of a later draft pick and then missing significant time with concussion. It was sort of towards the end of my time at Melbourne and then when I was at Hawthorne sort of almost as a nobody or almost a cult figure as opposed to someone who was that number one draft pick with that expectation. Before we get back to 2009, you mentioned there that the concussion did cause an premature retirement for you it really floored you a couple of times late in your career has there been any problems with it since look i like to think touch wood that i'm going okay um it was after the ninth concussion that i sort of was told by the doctors to stop playing um and that i can't play contact sport my first response was well have you ever seen me play i don't play a contact (laughs) sport so that was uh that was you know one last attempt but look you know, it is one where there's so much in the media about it and you hear stories of people and they are horrible stories. Um, it is quite scary, if I'm totally honest with you. Touch wood, I'm okay. I mean, I wake up every day and, and most of the time I don't have a headache and I look at a computer screen all day and I'm coaching and I'm doing all these kinds of things. There is a really strong correlation between how you feel with your concussion symptoms versus when your blood sugar goes quite low. That's what I've found, um, being a diabetic. And sometimes if I'm a bit lightheaded or dizzy or have a headache or any of those sort of symptoms, I will check my blood sugars. And sometimes if it is my blood sugar, that's an answer. Sometimes if my blood sugars are fine, I then go, oh, hang on, what's going on here? And you start to wonder. Um, But then, you know, you also go, well, people do at times have a headache or feel a bit lightheaded or whatever for a various number of reasons. So am I reading into it too much? So look, touch wood, I'm okay. Um, Yeah, you never know what the future holds. And if you do read some of the stories that are quite scary, it probably can concern you from time to time but um, I can't change the concussions I've had unfortunately. Yeah it sounds like you're, you're well and truly on top of it. Talking to Jack Fitzpatrick he was picked 50 in the 2009 National Draft for the Demons went on and finished his career at the Hawks. Okay let's go back to 2009. Significant draft for the Demons. They've got the first two picks but you had to wait till their fifth pick, pick number 50. What are your memories and expectations of, of going into the draft and then how it all unfolded on the night? Well Matt as you said pick 
pick 50, so I was 49 picks too late as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, and that was the year, of course, you know, Scully and, and Trengove one and two. And that was a year that I still find it amazing. Melbourne gets found not guilty of tanking, but still fine for it anyway, which doesn't really make sense to me. Makes no but, sense. But um, I tell everyone that, I, I tell everyone that uh, they're, they're actually out to get me at pick 50. It wasn't Scully, it wasn't Trengove, <laughs> it wasn't Dawn. They wanted me at pick 50. So that's what I tell everyone. Um yeah, look, it was sort of an interesting year for myself because, you know, early in the year, I would have been quite an early draft pick and I had a quite an ordinary top age year. Um, so I sort of went from being someone who'd be, you know, at the top of the year, I would have been top three, top five. So all of a sudden, will you, will you get drafted at all? So um, Melbourne had told me beforehand that they were tossing up between myself and Max at pick 18. And um, they did say that, uh, you know, they wouldn't let the draft go without me, um, without me going. Um, then at 18, they didn't pick either of us. They picked Woodcap Scott. So um, they then took Gorney at pick 34 and, and then myself at 50. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting night. Um, I guess I was probably always confident that I would at least get rookied, but you never really know until your names are right out. How, how tough is that mentally for a young player coming through when you start a year and everything you read and everything you hear and your expectations are, yeah, I'm going to be drafted. I, I might even be a pretty high draft pick. And then it doesn't go your way in your top age year. How, how tough is that to, to deal with? Look, I, I've always been, I guess, reasonably self-confident and you try and border on that line of confidence and, and arrogance. I mean, I look back and, and did I get ahead of myself? Probably subconsciously I might have. Um, it certainly wasn't a deliberate thing. I mean, you know, I use the analogy of COVID at the moment of how tough the last couple of years would have been of, of picking players and not really seeing them play in their top age year because, it sounds ridiculous, but it's, it's probably true that if my draft was done at the start of my top age year, I probably would have been a top three and a top five pick. And that would have been ahead of players like Matt Fife and Dustin Martin. Now, I don't know what draft sounds right if Jack Fitzpatrick gets picked before <laughs> Dustin Martin and Matt Fife. So um, that, I think it is a really tough job for recruiters. Um, yeah, I, as I said, I probably went from being someone who's a potentially early pick to having a year that I wasn't overly happy with as a top age player. Um, and yeah, your name's sliding down that list. So it can be quite tough. Um, as I said, I look back and in hindsight, was I a little bit ahead of myself? Maybe I was. But at the end of the day, you always get told if you end up as pick one or pick 100 in the rookie draft, if you end up on the list, sort of everyone gets a blank slate and you get to start from there. So the end goal was to get drafted and I was fortunate enough that I did. What are your early memories of Max Gorn? He, he seems these days he likes to play up the fact, you know, he used to like to have a smoke and he was pretty carefree. What are your sort of memories of an early yeah. Max given you, you came to the club at the same time? I remember meeting Max in under-18s at Vic Metro training. And as I said, I sort of had a pretty good junior career and at the stage was you know, probably one of the highly touted young players. So I'd been an under-16 Vic Metro. I'd been in the AIS. I played Vic Metro as a bottom-age player. Um, and then as a top-age player, Max came into it. And I actually remember the first time I saw him thinking, oh, well, he's only here because he's tall. We'll probably last a couple of weeks and that'll be it. So I then saw him play in a trial game and thought, geez, this guy can seriously play. Um, and that was before he did his knee as an under-18. Um, for Sandringham. So then he missed the rest of that year. Um, I then got to go to draft camp with him, and, and that was at the AIS, which was really good fun. And we just clicked straight away. We had a very similar sense of humour. Um, both of us very easy targets to, to pick on, but we're happy to, you know, give it back as well. So I remember him at draft camp. Um, there was a kid who um, didn't perform overly well in the, uh, in the beat test. And uh, we were sitting in the spa, or Max was sitting in the spa, because he just had his ACL done. So he didn't do anything at draft camp other than do interviews. Whereas all the other kids, we were, uh, you know, busting our 
busting ourselves out to, to put our best foot forward. And Max decided it'd be a good idea to ask his kid why he was bothering with recovery because he wasn't in the beat test long enough to hurt his, <laughs> to fatigue his body anyway. So that was always what he was sort of like. Um, you know, we just tweaked, we both sort of, you know, rucks can be a little bit different, I think people will say. And, you know, being taller, we just got on really well. And, and the night we got drafted, I was at my high school graduation, which was which was a unique experience in itself. And, you know, I went to high school with Mad Jack as well. So there was a fair bit going on. And he just left me a voicemail on my phone and said, oh, pick up your phone, you idiot. We're going to the D's together, you beauty. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he, he got drafted. And, uh, yeah, I think it's been well publicised. His first six to 12 months wasn't great. But um, once he worked it out, he became a pretty good player. Yeah, he's pretty handy and uh, still pretty handy to this day. So how do you look back on your six years at Melbourne? You, you saw it all individually. What happened at the club? You know, Dean Bailey went and came and went. Um, you know, Mark Neal came and went. There wasn't many wins in there as well. How do you look back on that time? Um, character building. <laughs> um, yeah, I was there for six years and had five coaches. So, um, yeah, it wasn't the best period of all time. And I think that's all been well documented. Um, look, I think you get some really good close, unique relationships with these, the people you went through it with. I mean, you know, and it was so good to see them finally win a couple of years ago. And when I say the relationship with people, it's not just um, the players. I mean, you know, the support staff that go through it all, the supporters that go through it all. You see them at family days, you see them at events, best and fairest, etc. Um, it was good to see them get some success after some really hard time. I think what it also gave me was, you know, you think of where Melbourne was from 2009 to 2015 and, and sort of what I saw there. I then went to the Hawks at the end of 2015, so they'd just won three in a row. And the joke I say to everyone is that the only way they could improve on that side was to get me. So <laughs> that's uh, the only way they could have gone uphill from there, mate. But Haven't won a final since. Well, exactly right. I did play in the final, but Isaac missed up in the throwing against the long. So from then, uh, I did play in those two games. Uh, that game and the Bulldogs went on to beat us. So maybe I was a bad luck charm, but... I think what it allowed me to see was, I guess, a club at its peak in terms of performance. Now, we know what's sort of being spoken about at the moment of the allegations of what went on at Hawthorne around that time. I mean, you know, I can't comment on that. I didn't see any of it. I didn't, I wasn't involved in it. It's obviously a very sensitive issue. But in terms of, you know, the club itself being at its peak performance um, and the team versus, you know, what I had seen at, at Melbourne over my six years there, it really gave you an example of, what does and doesn't work, I suppose. And we think great Hawthorne goals, and I think you'll agree with me here, Jack Fitzpatrick, round 22 v Collingwood, is one of the all-time greats. It's one I reckon you enjoy talking about a little bit. Oh, I'm more than happy to, mate. It's a true story that my original Twitter account got suspended because I tweeted it too much. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was around about the same time, actually, Donald Trump got suspended from Twitter and I got suspended as well. So I don't know about the company that I was sharing at that stage. Um but, yeah, look, I'm more than happy to talk about it. It obviously was a great day, a great moment. And I think for myself, you know, trying not to make it a long story, but there was a whole lot that went through that year that was, you know, quite tough. You know, even 12 months earlier, I'd, I'd um, you know, sort of been given the flick from Melbourne, I guess. And then, you know, a lot of people say, well, if you can't get a game from Melbourne, you've got no chance of playing for Hawthorne. And, and that's probably fair enough. But all the way from that, I then suffered an injury. I was dealing with, you know, some... Um, a loss in the family at the time and then um, just as I was coming past an injury that I dealt with uh, I was hyperspinning my knee in the, the NAB challenge and then lost my grandfather I then caught the concussion which I missed a significant period of time for so um, I think I missed two or three months with that concussion um, and it was also the year that Ruffy was dealing with his health issues and Ryan Shellmakers was having injury issues so 
from an outside, literally all I had to do was be fit and I would have played every week. And unfortunately, <laughs> I wasn't fit and playing. So it was just one of these scenarios where, you know, I got this second opportunity. It looked like it just might not have quite worked out for a various number of reasons. Um, I got back in, the, you know, a couple of played a couple of games for Box Hill and was fortunate enough to get picked for that game. And, you know, I think it was just the 12 months build up to that on top of the actual moment itself for me. I mean, even my last game for Melbourne was also against Collingwood. CG and people will probably recall at the same end of the ground I did a tunnel ball which uh, still gets laughed about as well so it was almost like a full circle same opposition same ground same end of the ground Um, one moment not so great and the other moment a little bit better uh, it, was ne- it was never dull with you, uh, Jack. It was a fascinating journey, and it's great to hear you doing that so well post-footy, you know, still involved in footy and uh, in the, the business world as well. Uh, it's been great to catch up today. Thanks so much for your time. No, mate, thank you for having me. Always happy to have a chat, particularly when it's about myself. <laughs> it's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.